Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jack Inslee is about a kid from Coney Island, about Stefan Marbury, the uh, former NBA player, former Chinese basketball player, current Chinese basketball coach. Uh, yeah, it's our Let's Talk About Sports because it's Monday-themed edition of the show. And uh, I enjoyed the film quite a bit. Jack enjoyed it more than me. And I think it is worth your time. What else is worth your time is considering a donation to our Patreon account because it's 2020 and things are going very, very well and you definitely have disposable income. Go to youmethemeverybody.com and consider donating to our Patreon. If you're listening to this on our site or on iTunes, the link is in the podcast description. If you're listening to this in Spotify, go to youmethemeverybody.com and our about page. Also, we have a guests page and uh, we've done over 600 shows and uh, we've had over 600 guests. So if you like any names that you see, like any performers' names that you see, bands that you see, and you want to listen to those shows, just click on the link, and uh, that's how that's how links work. Here's the show. Why did you want to watch A Kid from Coney Island? Oh, man. I love Stefan Marbury. I'm from New York. Um, he was obviously a huge part of the Knicks at that time, but I was a big... I was a good uh, uh, Phoenix Suns Marbury fan, a Timberwolves Marbury fan, not a Nets Marbury fan because I'm a Nets hater. But he's always been one of my favorite players. And, um, you know, I knew the China thing with him, and I always thought it would make a fascinating doc. Actually, my brother and I were brainstorming, like, who could there be a great doc about? And, uh, you know, after the last dance. And I said, I'm surprised no one's done the Marbury story because that's just so perfect. And he's like, dude, they have. That's, it's out. Um, so I was all in on this kind of going into it. But, well, you know, with not such high expectations because sports stocks are generally not the best, but I loved it. I don't disagree. I think he is a fascinating subject for a documentary, and I have to vehemently disagree that sports documentaries are inherently bad. It's no different than any other documentary, no different than any other type of film. There are good and there are bad. And there's about the same percentage of both, regardless of the genre you're in. Does that make sense? Yep, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. So I don't think there's any excuse for a sports film to be bad just because it's a sports film. I found this good, but huge asterisks. Uh, the same problems I had with pretty much everything we've been watching recently. The subject should not be involved with production. See, I think it's unavoidable, and I, I know this has been a sticking point for you, but when you are in the world of professional athletes, there's so much tied up into the use of their name and likeness, and this is something that happens from the time they enter the NBA where there are contractual clauses in the players' union about what can and can't happen. So, I mean, I just think it's unavoidable. I don't... I I don't agree with you. I never will agree with you. I think it's it's very difficult. I think that's where we need to come to a consensus. Is there a it is possible. Is there, is there a precedent? Do we have a doc that has absolutely no involvement from the estate or, you know, brand of the subject in, yes. in terms of the sports stuff? Yes, and, but and, they're usually not NBA players or NFL players. They're usually like Olympic athletes or amateur or that type of stuff. Right, so exactly. I don't, like I said before, it's doable. It's just highly unlikely. Yes. And that's very so, disappointing. Yeah. But I mean, how involved, just because the name shows up, mm -hmm. you know, as 
as executive producer. Um, how you know? How do we know what level of involvement or control there was? And that's and, absolutely and, you know, fair. That's absolutely fair. But this is the type of stuff where, when stuff is completely glossed over or not mentioned, that's when you start to question why. Mm-hmm. And there were two times in this documentary where I'm like, well, actually, no, three times where, if he's not involved, I think they go deeper. And then there's one story that they completely leave out, which we've talked about. And as a Knicks fan, I'm sure you're very fascinated in. Well, I, I don't even know which one you're talking about. The Isaiah Thomas uh, scan, sex scandal with the Knicks. Marbury was part of that. He was uh, implicated in that somehow. Not, um, it was yes, consensual, was, yeah. but it was like inappropriate. He was having sex with an intern in a car. Mm-hmm. So of anyone involved, he's like the cleanest hands. But also, do you get his wife speaking on camera with acknowledging that? No, I mean, no. The only the only even reference to that is when his high school coach, who he's still in contact with, which was a nice touch, when he calls in China during the last season of his playing career in China, and he says the only two things Stefan Marbury loves is girls and playing basketball. Correct. That was it. But let's go through yeah. the doc in order if that's okay with you. Yeah, please. I think it's a super well-done documentary. Uh, I don't know if it's worth the rental fee that because it, it's currently not streaming on Netflix, Showtime, etc. Like five dollars or something. It's five dollars if you want HD. I don't recommend HD because the majority of this footage, which I loved, was shot in the era of. So there's a lot of stuff of him playing high school basketball, which is amazing. You don't need HD for that because this is in like super SD. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So um, it's a good doc. Period. And stop there. I'd probably give it out of 10, a 6.5, a 7. What about you? I'm a little bit higher. I, I'm, I'm closer to an 8. I thought okay. that the, there, there's a big device in this. Um, I, I don't know. This isn't really a spoiler. But we don't see or hear from present-day Stefan Marbury for at least 60 minutes. 65 minutes. I noted that. I loved, love, love that part. That for me bumps it up a whole point because it was it was a bold decision and the right decision. And Agreed. Ag- it, completely agree. Let the footage tell the story. Let the other people tell the story. I I love this, and I don't understand why this isn't employed more. You don't have to have famous people be your, your only talking heads. You could have right. family members, former teammates, uh, former teammates that didn't make it, people from the neighborhood. Make it like that. You get a better story even if everyone's in agreement it doesn't matter hearing all those voices makes it seem more authentic and that's what this stuck within the first like i don't know 10 minutes we saw more people on camera than we did the entire sosa mcguire doc in absolutely i mean and i loved how there were some interviews with like dj clark kent and the mm-hmm. other dudes that were like sitting under umbrellas uh, you know just in brooklyn i mean it felt and I think maybe the Artest doc did a good job of that, too. No, the Artest doc um, didn't have as many people. I like that the Artest doc brought people in from the neighborhood, but they were almost entirely famous rappers. Depending on your definition of famous rapper. Fair, but fair. yeah, for sure. <laughs> someone that you would, someone that would have a verified Twitter account. Pretty much. Where yeah. I'm assuming the guy that runs the barbershop, probably not on Twitter. Probably not. So, I mean... Th- I was wondering the whole time, like, are we just not going to, I was like, was Steph not involved in this? Are we just not going to see him? I was, I was hoping that. No, I mean, I wanted to see him and it just, the juxtaposition of this story they're telling for 65 minutes of this kind of troubled 
kid, not troubled. Uh, you know, no, no, you could say troubled. There's a five kid. minute chunk that, like, yeah, he's troubled. You know, he has ego issues and fame issues and media issues. Uh, and then there's the famous meltdown. And then when we meet him, he's so zen and just happy and fulfilled. And, and at uh, first glance, that seems like a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then reality sets in. And this is where I start to have the biggest problem I have with the doc. Okay. Which is? Well, let, that's in like minute 70. So let's do the okay, first so 70 we'll, minutes. We'll, There's we'll a claymation aspect of this film, which I love. I love claymation, even bad claymation. So anytime that you're filling in gaps with claymation rather than talking head stuff, I love it. Yeah, I did. I did like the claymation. Um, I liked how much we got from his brothers, who I previously... I. I didn't know about Don Marbury or the fact that there were all these other Marberries that could have been the one, weren't the one. Um, I thought they were delightful. I thought you got a really good, accurate, seemingly accurate painting of his childhood and what it meant to kind of be a prodigy athlete at that time. Yeah, the the amount of pressure that these kids are under, specifically like the 95 high school class, which they show, it's like 12 of the 16 played in the NBA and like five of them are going to be in the Hall of Famer. It's crazy the amount of talent from that one class. The amount of pressure these guys are under is absurd. And the fact that like Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen are as successful as they are should not be overlooked. No, it's unbelievable. And I mean, that was a, an interesting part of it is like the, I guess, summers that Kevin Garnett would spend, I'm guessing at basketball tournaments, but mm-hmm. he ends up at the Marbury house kind of just like hanging around. And there's this little community of, like you said, future Hall of Famers. So that- I, I'm from Chicago. You're from New York. I remember the, the local news, like the six o'clock news or whatever, doing stories about Kevin Garnett's high school team. Did did you remember that in New York or were you a little bit too young? About Marbury? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You remembered Marbury that. Was, yeah, he and because street ball as well. Um he was a name that I wasn't necessarily like old enough to appreciate, but it kind of permeated I feel like he may have even been mentioned in rap songs before becoming an NBA athlete. Wow. That kind of thing on like mixtape rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. He was, he was around. Did um, you, as an adult, in even even as a kid, I found it very odd when there'd be like high production level for high school basketball games. Um, like the maybe the state tournament is okay, but like these games at Madison Square Garden for you guys, when yeah. you would you watch those live? No, I wasn't. I wasn't hip to it yet, but um, I never really even as an adult got so into that. I'm usually late to people my brother's really into like scouting and seeing you know watching the all the mcdonald's Mm -hmm. game and all that stuff i don't know why but it feels so wrong to me yeah yeah i'm with you on that okay i'm definitely with you on that the fact that he's on charlie rose at 17 years old amazing both amazing and like this seems like he should have a bigger breakdown much earlier in his career Mm mm-hmm if anything, I was impressed that he held it together for as long as he did. Speaking of holding it, it together, modern-day Fat Joe looks great. <laughs> He's not doing so bad. That's one of my notes because they mentioned the Big Pun thing, and I, and I just Big Pun was very big, and Fat Joe was very, very fat, and I was, it was like John Popper esque. Like I'm worried about yeah. your health. 
he's made a he's made a good transformation. Looks great. Well, um, which is what happens after Pun died. You know, yeah. I, I think he took it took it a little more seriously. So we've been giving a ton of credit to Stefan Marbury's transition from high school to college to the NBA, but he is a father while still in high school. We never hear from that other parent. We never hear from his three kids. Is he a great parent? Is he? Did he actually make a good transition? That's just completely left out of the documentary. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I I watched the Lenny Cook doc as well, and the Ron Artest. They, they all, all these docs. You know, this trajectory of child prodigy star seems to generally include like really young parenthood, which is fine. I want to know about that though. Mm. You know. He's playing basketball in Minnesota. He's lonely. His only friend, he's upset because his only friend has a $50, $50 million contract higher than him. He's lonely. He's lonely. He's lonely. He's lonely. They say this a lot. Where is the kid? Where is the parent? Is that parent in college? Is she raising the kid? I'm assuming, is she raising the kid alone? Are Marbury's parents involved? How does this all fit in? You've been talking so much about family and these brothers and your parents and how important they are and how your sister helped raise you, what are you doing now? I think that's fair. That's a fair question. Okay. This that's is where question. we get, now at this point, we get to our New York stuff. We've already established the Timberwolves, it doesn't work out. The Nets, it doesn't work out. The Suns, it doesn't work out. Let's go to New York, right? Sham <laughs> God has a very important quote to me. He says, okay. he's, there's too much New York in him. <laughs> And then he ends up playing in New York, and that's a bad idea. Do you think that there is such a thing as there's too much New York in someone? Absolutely. This this is directly tied to what I took away from the Ron Artest doc, which was, as a Knicks fan, we wanted to draft him. We took Frederick Weiss instead. It was a huge bummer. Going to New York would have killed Artest, and going to New York did kill Marbury, essentially. it, it When you're from New York, it, it's just it can be a really bad combination of things. Um, it's hard to disagree with what, that. What, what, what God's saying is like more of a New York attitude thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty subjective, but even Joakim Noah, who on the surface is like a, a, a heady cerebral, more of a hippie kind of dude with like a famous rock star dad. He's from Hell's Kitchen, and he came to New York, and he admitted. He's like, I had too many people that wanted to party, and, like, it's just, it's hard. Do you think that would have happened? Well, the thing is, Noah thrived in Chicago, and I was going to mention the Derrick Rose thing because, like, Derrick Rose came from Chicago. He was beloved in Chicago. Even when he was injured, no one really blamed him. They blamed everyone else around him. But the thing I keep thinking about with the Derrick Rose comparison is, like, Derrick Rose had a very good team surrounding him, and Marbury didn't. And no, he was put in so many positions to fail in New York. And he, some of that responsibility falls on him. The coach clashing, mm-hmm. the, the, the Larry Brown thing was just, it was a train wreck, man. And I mean, like Isaiah deserves almost all of the blame for that era. And I think we've talked about Dolan on your show before. There's plenty to say about Dolan and his inadequacies as an owner, but Isaiah Thomas is, a particularly toxic dude. Didn't Carmelo and, come after the Isaiah run? Yes. Yeah, he was post-Isaiah. I don't think... I think it's fair to say Carmelo Anthony is equivalent to Stefan Marbury in terms of, like, star power and ability to will a win. 
I'd say Carmelo is probably better. Better. Right. I would. Say, I would say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't do anything with the Knicks. I don't think this is a New York issue. I think this is a. I mean, it's Carmelo's blatantly. Not, it's a New York, New York Knicks issue. He's not a New York kid, Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Okay. You that's know. Fair. Yeah. 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 Had Stefan Marbury gotten whatever contract he thought he deserved in Minnesota and stuck alongside KG in this more of an isolated vacuum outside of the New York circus, who knows? This is the time where I need to remind myself that technology has changed things so dramatically where it really doesn't even matter where you play if you don't want it to. So you can be as plugged in or as plugged or not plugged in. And due to distractions, it doesn't really matter. Sure, you're always going to have, like, your page six horrible reports on local New York sports figures. But I'm assuming now in 2020 it's easy not to give a shit versus whether you're playing in, like, New York or Philly or Memphis because if you want to be on Twitter, you're on Twitter. If you don't want to be, you're not. And it's really up to how fragile your ego is. There are a few things. Lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, because the city you live in dictates what restaurants absolutely. you go to, where you can go party, absolutely. all of that. But you're absolutely right, and this is something that New York fans are really stubborn about. Every free agency season, it's like, well, yeah, LeBron's going to come to New York because the big lights of the big city, and it's like, no, it doesn't matter anymore, man. Like, it just doesn't. You don't need New York City to build your brand. You yeah. don't need to play in a big city to feel connected. Like you said, technology has changed that. And the other producer of this is maybe – one of the best examples, Kevin Durant produced this. And well, his name is on here as a producer. It's Rich Kleiman. And this is where my beef comes a little bit with the production credits. Executive what producer, do they, by the what way. Do they, what do they mean? It means that there was money put up. Somebody mm-hmm. came to Rich Kleiman and said, we've got this doc about Steph. And he exactly. says, I love Steph. Steph's a great dude. Put my name on it. And here's money, whatever. Right? And we so can like, get it on these distribution channels, yes. I don't think these guys, and I know you're going to get to this point a little bit later, but like, I don't think... Kevin Durant is watching it and being like, oh, no, let's frame this this way. Make sure we get LeBron in here. I don't think that's happening. No, no, no. I don't think that that specific example is happening either. But I talked about this before off mic. One of the the three most important parts of this film is, to me, is the Starberry line, the shoe line, right? And full disclosure, because you have a personal connection. I have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I I had a pair of Starberries that I wore like three times. They were very uncomfortable. Uh, I love that in this documentary, they don't even mention the fact that like, oh, they kind of mention the fact that like, yeah, they weren't comfortable. I didn't like the way they looked. They never actually give like the sales figures. They never said if it was actually doing well. They said they make it seem like it was doing gangbusters, and then all of a sudden LeBron said, "I'm not wearing those," and then that was it. And that's why the company failed. I mean, but Clark Kent and the others on the block were like, yeah, shout out to him, but those shoes suck. Yeah, but like, come on. I want to know the numbers. Why did they fail? Apparently, he's got some sort of Starberry still going in China, or they try to do it in China. That alone should be a documentary. The star, the rise and fall of the Starberries, specifically like that Steve and Barry store thing. Yeah, there was a lot of weird, I'm sure weird business stuff yes. behind the scenes there and old New York yes. connections. And, and that stuff I mean, matters because remember. there's the entire and one ad campaign that I didn't yeah. know about. That was like seemingly a very cool ad campaign. And that's ties to the shoe thing. You know, I just remember being in New York when they came out and they were kind of like a punchline. 
Yeah, but so are the Steph Curry's like two years ago with Under Armour, but they're still producing those. Well, because there's probably just a better, larger company behind it. Well, okay. not probably. There just definitely is. There's more infrastructure. Okay. So, so kind of just like shoulder that loss a little bit. Post shoes, end of the Knicks era. This is my biggest complaint of this and most every sports documentary. The entire, the media made me do blank storyline. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you comfortable with how this plays out in A Kid from Coney Island? Did it bother you in any way? Um, now it's become the trope where the athletes didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's always the media. What do you think about that? Having lived through that and been a diehard Knicks fan and knowing every beat writer, you know, by first and last name of that era, there's some legitimacy to it. Okay. And I generally am with you on this, but the New York, and that's the thing about being from New York, and that's the thing about Sham God saying there's too much New York in him. Steph grew up reading the Post. He knows these guys. He knows what construction workers say when you're on the back page of the Post with a punny headline. It's it's really close to home for him. It's really, really in an intimately like in an intimate way close to home. I don't know if that makes sense. It does make so sense. When, you're, you're, you're saying it's understandable. I'm saying as the outsider, the majority of the people that are watching this film, the majority of people in the world aren't from New York. I hate it. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that makes sense without the extra context, but I mean... Well, even with the context, even with the context, do you agree with what Stephen A. Smith says? Remind me. Specifically... He needed a guy like me. He needed someone to be his voice. He didn't befriend any of these people, any of these beat writers that you know by first and last name. That would have made it better for him. He's right. Okay. Because Carmelo Anthony was voted by the New York media. The sport, the sport, the New York, the, the beat writers for the Knicks have like an informal award they give out every year to like the, you know, the guy that made their job the easiest, essentially. Um, it was Ennis Cantor. <laughs> um, but Mello had won that award. Like, they loved him. He was mm-hmm. an easy quote. He gave them what they wanted. He didn't overthink it. Marbury was just a little, like like, like Sham God says, he had a little too much, too much New York in him. When he got asked a question, he said exactly how he felt without a filter, which gave them a lot to run on unfairly. And Marbury wasn't, I don't want to use media trained, but maybe that's the right way of framing it. He, he didn't have the tools to navigate that. And I think Stephen A is right to recognize it. Mm-hmm. You and could say I that one of the tools that would have been helpful for him to have around a lot longer was his father. His father passes away, and now we have the downward spiral of Marbury. Uh, things aren't going well. Isaiah can't run the team. Larry Brown's a horrible coach. And now my dad dies, and now I go crazy. And this is where we get the, like, internet streams, and he's eating Vaseline, and he's crying, and he's suicidal. It's heartbreaking at the time, man. It's not a good look. It's not a good look now, it's then, or good. forever. It's it's sad. And now the documentary essentially fades to black. They're like, he's getting out of here. He goes, he gets traded to the Celtics. Celtics, that's right. Yep. Celtics plays for like 25 games. No one wants him. Somebody, I think the Celtics offer him a league minimum, and yep. he says no. That's when he goes to China. Now yep. we have 65 minutes in. We finally get Marbury. He's been playing there for eight years. He's woke. He's happy. He's no longer eating Vaseline on camera. He is a fulfilled, enlightened man, right? To say the least. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
to say the least. And again, just to reiterate what I said earlier, that title card of him, it's like Stefan Xavier Marbury, and we see him as an adult, tattoo on his head and all, it was really affecting for me. It was very um, good. It was very good. And of course, really you're like, good. I'm happy for this guy, right? It plays right. out, right? He's a stranger in a strange land. He doesn't know the language. He becomes a basketball god, right? Not only a basketball god, just a cultural icon. Yeah. Okay. Having so. watched this entire film, I put him probably in the top five international when you consider the size of China and the impact uh, that China has on the NBA economy mm-hmm. outside of LeBron and Jordan, I, it's Steph and that's oh, for crazy sure. for sure. But he's like number three and okay. maybe Kobe. Um, No, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Steph. But probably Steph. Yeah. And potentially even more beloved than LeBron. I mean, it's like, it's so unlikely and improbable the way that his post NBA career shakes out. Okay, here we go. Here's my, and now we have me ruining everything for you, and I apologize. That's okay. Okay, hit me. Number one, let's start with the personal. Did he okay. actually learn anything? Because what makes him so happy, what makes him so satisfied, isn't necessarily inward. It's the adoration he receives from the fans in China from winning those championships. He needs his ego stroked. Yeah. That's not good. He's learned nothing. But what's good is that this man found happiness. However it came. It's the same thing like the, I guess let's compare it to the Artest doc. There's more of an inward journey and there's more growth that Artest experiences as a human throughout yes, his career for sure through therapy through all kinds of things yeah even the sober way that and you complain that they didn't talk much about the domestic abuse stuff but they do include him talking about it and getting emotional about it and apologizing for it mm-hmm. and we don't get any of that kind of accountability for steph in any of those transg- transgressions he's had um i'm just he doesn't he didn't have to grow as a person for me to be happy for him. Does that make sense? It's That's like, fine. But the way the film frames it is he is enlightened. He's found peace. Well, he certainly, okay. So you're saying in an, in an alternate, in an alternate reality, if he's not playing well in China and doesn't win these championships and become a legend, it's not that just the act of going overseas Correct. would have found, you know, he would still be just as bitter and yes. angry had he not won yeah, and gotten the accolades. Or he goes to Greece and tries to do it or Italy or something like that. This insatiable, mm-hmm. which most athletes have in some oh, shape or form, right? It's part of the whole psyche. Yeah. I guess it's just one of those like fortuitous things that yeah i'm just happy for him like it's just cool it's I'm, just cool the way it happened okay and i agree that's i'm happy for him too but long term is he fulfilled because the documentary also makes it seems like he wanted to retire in china that's not true he didn't want to retire in china he well, wanted to play not. one he wanted to play one more year in the nba he couldn't do it 
which and, and not saying he couldn't do it because he sucks. Like he's just older. That's just how it works. He's not okay so walking away. Your beef is with the framing of this, yes. and I think I took I think I took the emotional bait knowingly and happily because it was what I wanted. Um, but is it objectively the perfect way of framing that story? Probably not. But I don't know, man. Here's my it's biggest. Pretty beef. remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. Or there's is he a, just plug and play? There's a step on Marbury Museum. That's perfect. China. Let's get to that. Let's make a guy. Okay. I'm not saying I could play in China's version of the NBA, but like there's a way better shot of me playing in China's version of the NBA than the NBA. Okay. I want to know if the skill level of the big three is higher than the Chinese NBA. Hmm. Here's why it matters. This no, it the skill level of the the big three is not as high as the Chinese NBA. It's not okay. I'm number one. The stadium looks amazing from the outside. Currently in China, Lance Stevenson plays. Ty mm-hmm. Lawson, Tyler Hansbro, Luis. A lot of players that are could still play in the NBA and and or are fighting for a path back to the NBA. Whereas the big three. They're not at the same level of training. And, A, the format of the game is a half-court. I mean, it's like a ridiculous three-on-three format. So, no. No, it's pretty obvious that the China League would be harder. Okay. Uh, I think China is a horrible country, uh, and I think yep. that their censorship is absurd, and and I think that they're elevating Stefan Marbury to seem like uh, this is a basketball god, not a, a like a damaged... Uh, potential uh, NBA Hall of Famer that he needed to rehab for eight years in China. Oh, it's the most simplified, like, you know, bastardized version of a redemption story that they latched mm-hmm. onto because it represents this idea that the government likes to, you know, like pick yourself up by your bootstraps and kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I hear you. I so hear you. Fuck it's China. Loaded with problems. Yeah. Fuck China. The museum is not prop. Is not, it's not a museum be, to say like, oh, what a great guy. It's just more pure fucking propaganda. It is. So it like, is. You're you're right. That's why this should be three different films. We should have our hour, our first like hour ish, just about Coney Island, because it is super fascinating and they spend time there and I love it. And we could end it with the Knicks. I think that's perfectly fine. I want a separate documentary about Starberries, like just the business side of the shoe going through Marbury's career because I'd be super fascinated to know how that deal even came to fruition. You could start with Anne One. You could end well, with what? Well, that's more of a sneaker, Doc, because then fine. we can do the Fine. I don't care. I shoe, want that. You know, you know yeah. I want that. That'd be so fun and interesting, and we would learn how things maybe work. Like, were those Starberries made in the same factories as Nike's? Like, does it even matter? What's the actual sole difference? SOL. I'm interested to know about the correlation between shoe design and quality and injury. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like Which in the last dance, Jordan says prevalent. he's bleeding from his feet because he's wearing Jordan ones. It's that kind right. of thing. And then right. finally, I want the actual China doc, not by someone that's affiliated with Marbury or China for obvious reasons a true portrait of how it goes and what happened and why it happened. And he's still a coach there. Like this could be made now. It's relevant. Also fuck China. It's not good. 
what they're yeah, doing with Hong Kong there, is there, bad. There's a geopolitical thing that we just completely skirt over. And that's not um, cool because you end with a goddamn Bruce Lee quote because that's his idol, a Hong Kong born, sorry, uh, from Hong Kong. He's born in San Francisco. Um, and then they're censoring Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of the Bruce Lee scene. Like, there's so much fucked up stuff that we're just missing and everything's yeah. fine. And isn't it cool that this guy got to play in China? Yeah, that's that's a fair read. That's a fair read. I think I took it way more on its on its what what it wanted to be, mm-hmm. which was here's a kid from Coney Island who has fucking been through it. Yes. And gone through the ringer and now he's able to smile and laugh at a barbershop and has found his um uh I don't know. He 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 reached his mountaintop. Against all odds, right? I, I, I was able to take it at that level, I guess, emotionally. I'm fine with all that stuff, but you can't, like, that's what I'm saying, just end it when he leaves the Knicks. I think that's no. fine. No, it's not. The, 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 the whole China thing is significant. He played for eight fucking years. And he's still a coach. China. And he's still a coach. And, I mean, there was a fascinating psychosis you see mm-hmm. with him like crying and I mean all of it's just it's like it seems scripted well speaking of it's scripted surreal. he stars in a filmed uh, uh, a version of a, a fictionalized version of himself he wins like a Chinese version of an Academy Awards as himself too yeah, amazing amazing come on amazing amazing I'm here for the alternate psychedelic reality, which Stefan Marbury found himself in. Psychedelics is all about, like, freedom of expression. Uh, I mean, depending on the circumstances. In China, not a lot of freedom of expression. 